Episode 154 of Section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley, as always, joined by my co-host, Bryson. And we have Jacob back with us this week. And it's a good week to be talking about the Blue Jays. They just keep on winning. It's series after series, series win after series win. And it keeps going, even against a team like the Tampa Bay Rays. How are you, Bryson? I am doing fantastic. You said it, another series, another series win. The push for the wild card continues, and the Jays are currently sitting half of a game up in that wild card race right now into the first wild card spot. They're continuing to roll. And um, Jacob, glad for you to join us after uh, two episodes now. You seem to take your hiatus at the worst possible time, but you know what? You must have a lot to say, and uh, it's been fun over the last uh, week. So uh, welcome back to you as well. Oh, thank you. I am very glad to be back. And I'm just glad to be a Blue Jay fan, I think, at this point. And you mentioned the series win. Their sixth straight series win comes in a very crucial time. Now, uh, the Red Sox, I don't think they finished as of their game as of the time we are recording this, but they are tied 3-3 three to three in the ninth, so maybe it's a game. Maybe they're tied for the wildcard spot, but you know what? We said it. Blue Jays need to go 20-30 and 30 at least in September to make a playoff spot or to get a playoff spot and they are on pace to to blow that out of the water and I think this is this is this is probably some of the best baseball I think we've seen since maybe 2016 and I just I couldn't be happier especially considering how how up and down the season has gone and it's starting to really look like it's ending on a, on a very high note. Yeah, bottom of the ninth for the Red Sox and Mariners so maybe Seattle has a chance to walk it off. We'll see but for sure. Series win after series win for the Blue Jays. And if anything, this was the time we expected them, or at least I expected them, to take a step back up against the Rays. They always have trouble against Tampa Bay, but of course they don't in this series. And the primary reason for it is starting pitching. And this is something that I kind of predicted before this series started, but in the other, um, the flip sense, in a mirror image for the Blue Jays, I thought it would be the merit, uh, excuse me, the Rays starting pitching that was shutting down the Blue Jays. Instead, it was the Blue Jays shutting pitching, starting pitching, shutting down the Rays, and um, that was the case for all three games. Even the game that they lost in the middle on Friday, you have Alec Manoa pitching a gem of a start. He has a perfect game through four innings. He retires the first 13 batters of the game in order before allowing a base runner. Just a phenomenal start from him, and he ends the day with only one hit allowed. No walks, just great outing from him. And then Jose Barrios comes out, gives up, um, what was it, one or two runs on the Saturday game. And, if, uh, excuse me, the uh, Tuesday game, uh, one run. And, of course, there are concerns about his health. He was pulled a little bit early with uh, left uh, abdominal strain, but we'll see where that goes. Hopefully it's not too serious. And then Robbie freaking Ray comes out and shoves today with, you know, just the expected amount of strikeouts, 13 strikeouts, no walks, only one run around run allowed on a solo shot to Mike Zanino. So taken all together, it was a very good outing for Blue Jays starting pitching this series. And they kind of held down an offense in the race. That's one of the best in baseball. They're known for being a pitching first team, but this year they've really stepped up offensively and they have over the last few years that they've had success going into the postseason. And you saw the Blue Jays do their best against one of the best teams in baseball, and that's exactly what you want. We were always putting an asterisk next to the performance of the last couple series. You know, you get the Baltimore Orioles, and everyone knows who they are. You get the Yankees, and they're struggling. You get the Oakland Athletics, and they're also struggling. The bottom has kind of fallen out for them, but the Rays were a hot team, and yeah, maybe you know, last they've lost, I think, five of their last seven games, so not as hot as it could be, but... Bottom line, the Blue Jays beat a good team with phenomenal starting pitching, which is incredible to watch. Absolutely. And, and you know what? In May, I think we could all agree that pitching, primarily the bullpen, but even starting pitching, was 
it was a disaster and it was probably one of the weaknesses of the team. But I'm willing to say that the rotation the Blue Jays have right now is probably one of the best that I've seen in the last five plus years. And when you when you look at it, you have an all star in Barrios, you know, an all star in Ryu. You have Robbie Ray who could easily win the Cy Young, Alec Manoa who's in consideration I think for Rookie of the Year, and Steven Matz who's sub two ERA I think since or post All Star break and. Look what they did against the Tampa Bay Rays. Only five runs allowed all series. Blue Jays, you know, you look at that and you think that's an easy sweep. Unfortunately, two of those runs came when they were shut out and the Blue Jays weren't really able to get any offense going in that second game. But pitching was absolutely fantastic. And I mean, Manoa, 10 strikeouts. You mentioned that he, I think he was actually perfect going into the fourth or the fifth when he allowed that base runner. Jose Barrios, even though he did suffer some abdominal tightness or some some strain there, he has not, as of right now, gone for any imaging, which is a good sign. Perhaps it's just a he didn't feel too good. He he sits the rest of the game out, spends the night re- uh, recovering. Hopefully, he's able to make that second start or that next start. But even for him, four strikeouts only. He he allowed a home run, which uh, unfortunately that loss was charged to him. But he still was absolutely fantastic and two runs over seven innings or, or one run over seven innings to Brios and then one was charged to Mesa two runs over a full game that with an offense that the Blue Jays have that's an easy win I think and they didn't win but I'm still saying you know the the inner workings of it maybe the the other aspects of it were were the fact that this is a promising game to look at and pitching was absolutely fantastic against a, a quite a good offense and then obviously we say this probably every single week. Robbie Ray is the ace of the staff. He's probably going to win the Cy Young. I'm saying it right now. He should. He deserves it. 13 strikeouts. Only gave up one earned run, and it was a home run. So the home run ball still does seem to get him. But, I mean, when you're striking out 13 and allowing four hits over seven innings, one home run is the least of your worries. So, you know what? This overall... If you're if you're Charlie Montoya, you're saying, hey, this rotation is absolutely fantastic, and I'm not getting too ahead of myself, but I think we all know who's starting a potential wild card game. However, you you look in the American League Division series, that's a five game series. You don't need five starters. I probably keep Manoa, probably Barrios and Ray in in my rotation, maybe not in that order, but in the rotation. If you can put, say, I mean, the Ryu topic's a little bit different, but if you can have Steven Matz in your bullpen uh, take over four or five innings if you need him, I think that the Blue Jays, from a pitching perspective, could take over any team, and and really in the division series, and even in the championship series, if you have four legitimate starters. Not to get ahead of myself, and I I don't want to, I'll only spend a little bit of time, but if you have a rotation that is this good and is shutting down good teams, like they swept Oakland, they swept the the, the Yankees, took two or three from the from the Rays. When you have a pitching staff that is this good, I think that this is easily a very promising sign. And if you can get good offense, then this team, I think, could easily finish the season off on a very, very high note. And it already has been, but they could easily continue that, potentially win a crazy game, maybe, in Toronto. We'll see. There's a lot of what-ifs here, but the, the, the pitching... Despite, I mean, the offense was fantastic this series. Obviously, eight to nothing, and then they won six to three today. But I think the primary thing should be the pitching and the fact that it, I think it has gone a little bit underrated in in the fact that it it really has shut down some pretty good offenses and it's it's really making this team a threat. I think and, and giving the bullpen a rest. You know, very few relievers were actually used. Only two today, three or two yesterday, and only one in the in the first game of the series. And easily, I think that this is. This rotation, I think, it's showing that it is, I think, the clear strength of this team. Probably 1A, 1B with the offense. And you know what? If you're Charlie Montoyo, you now have three, four legitimate options that you can just, you can absolutely trust in any given situation. Absolutely. And, um, you know, you guys were nailing it on the head. The pitching was there. And realistically, too, um, it's just, you know, you look at it, you wonder, you know the Jays don't usually match up well against the Rays, and of course that's obviously taken into consideration, which is why um, you know you didn't the expectations weren't through the roof. But from my perspective, um, there, I was just pretty much going from eye test of what we've seen over the last you know I mean everyone knows the story over the last month now almost, but over the last fourteen days especially, and 
you know, how hot this team really is, it's hard to bet against them right now to lose a series. It really is. And that's why um, the game three today, which is why I said last time when I was recording with you, Mark, was obviously the best matchup they had with Robbie Ray on the mound. And of course, they were going to take from what I predicted, either game one or game two. And in that case, they gave up game. They took game one, which was really um, exciting to see. So the offense came out flying except for game two. You know, I don't know how you guys felt about the offense or even just like the, the performance itself from game two, but I personally wasn't as frustrated as I was usually like in previous situations or previous scenarios. It just felt like there was a lot of hard hit balls that just went right to the fielders. So I wasn't really frustrated uh, like I usually am in the case where, you know, the offense goes cold and they're swinging at everything and whatnot. Obviously, there was some mistakes going on in that game too, but I just felt like there was a lot of hard-hitting contact too where the Jays got unlucky, but um, that's pretty much the way it went. And again, it's hard to sweep a team like the Tampa Bay Rays who are a 90-win team already and pretty much have the AL East wrapped up. So two out of three you're going to take at any day of the week. If the Jays took one out of three, I think people would have somewhat been satisfied but yeah you know what going back to game one I mean it's hard to kind of predict too that Ryan Yarbrough was going to come out of the bullpen and give up seven runs to the Jays because obviously in uh, previous games he's kind of owned the Jays which is why you know just the whole opener scenario the whole opener strategy that the Rays do all the time it usually works and he was the bulk man he came out after Colin McHugh and then of course yeah the Jays lit him up and it was just a phenomenal game um, from Alec Manoa and, or a start from Alec Manoa and you know the Jays continue to hit well I think Bravik Valera too went three for three that game and honorable mention to him and of course Lourdes Gurriel Jr. went three for four with two RBIs and he was this close from another home run but Kevin Kiermaier made um I was at the game personally and that was probably the best catch I've seen um in person so you know one of them at least and that was a really spectacular grab that he made off of Lourdes Gurriel Jr. so you know can't really fault him for that and um you know going into game three as well Robbie Ray just all signs looked um, like it was going to be almost it, like for me, it just looked really good from the start. And obviously the Jays got started early today. They got started uh, right in the first inning when Boba Shout hit a three run home run. So that's obviously a good start. You go up um, a lot of runs. And of course you're entering the, you know, the final two innings, you're up six, one, you give up a couple runs there, but you know, Jordan Romano came out for the ninth. So I think we were all confident for that as well, even though they were showing the stat conveniently, uh, that the Rays are, I think, lead the American League in comeback win. So that probably wasn't the greatest thing to see when Joaquin Soria couldn't really throw a strike at the beginning of his um, his appearance, which definitely didn't look good right from the start because I think it took about one or two batters for Pete Walker to uh, start warming up uh, Trevor Richards in the bullpen, who was I think was the guy that was going to come out just in case Soria didn't finish the inning. So, you know, that happened there. But you know what? Um, the Jays are still in it um, in terms of that first wildcard spot. Currently half a game lead. And it's really going to go down to the wire with the Yankees and the, the Red Sox. I don't want to jump too far ahead even going to the wildcard game right now. I think I'm going to take it almost one week at a time, and I think that's what we should be taking it, or not even, one series at a time, because this thing, um, it can go south easily, we've seen it happen before, this thing can go in the opposite direction easily, which we've seen over the last uh, two weeks, so, you know, one series at a time, I think, is the way to handle it here, and of course, you'd rather, or you'd prefer, or you can do all, you know, everything you can to hope for help from, you know, the out-of-town scoreboards from, you know, just games all across baseball for the Yankees and the Red Sox but of course you know the Jays are doing what they're supposed to be doing they're focusing on themselves which is why um, it's definitely a good situation or a good spot that they're in right now you have an off day coming up uh, tomorrow on Thursday as we record at Wednesday night and they're back in action this weekend in a three-game series with the Twins so overall um, a spectacular series once again and a lot of people probably didn't see this coming because it was the Rays but uh, you get the Twins this week and then of course right after the this weekend you got to go back to the trop. And then, of course, that's where the real test comes, I think, in terms of, you know, can the Jays hang on for another series win, maybe steal the series down in St. Petersburg. But, of course, when the Jays are there, typically it doesn't usually go well. So one series at a time, but I think they have a couple more key series that's coming up. And, um, you know, they keep winning games. And at, at this point, I got no reason to believe that they're slowing down the rate uh, that they're hitting it at. Well, I got two reasons to contradict you, Bryson. The number one is, I was very frustrated with the offense on Tuesday, not because they were doing anything wrong. It was just painful to watch. It's just one of those games where <laughs> everything goes wrong, not because, again, there's the team making mistakes. We know playing the Rays, the Blue Jays love to make boneheaded decisions in the field and on the base paths and at the plate and on the mound, but 
it was none of that. It was just every hard hit ball was finding a glove. And that seems to be the Tampa Bay Rays way. And we saw it at points in today's game. There was a couple sliding catches. One that stands out to me is Brett Phillips in center field sliding for a ball that I don't, I forget who hit it, but it was a nice grab by him. And it's just, man, like, come on, Rays. Like, why do you have to be so smart? And so knowledgeable about where the ball is going to go every single time. And you mentioned that Lourdes Goriel Jr. near home run. He also hit a ball to uh, deep right field at one point that died on the warning track. It was just frustration after frustration. So even if the team wasn't making mistakes, I was very frustrated watching the offense in that game. Um, The other count that I'm going to disagree with you on is getting too far ahead of ourselves here. I think the Blue Jays, and thankfully so, they need to get ahead of themselves a little bit here. They obviously need to plan out the rotation um, to line it up ideally for a potential um, tie-breaking game 163 or game 162 that matters in that case, or even, yes, the wild card game. You want to have your best starters available in that situation, whether it's Robbie Ray who goes in game 162 or 163 or the wild card, or whether it's Jose Barrios or Alec Manoa um, or Steven Matz or even Hinjun Ryu that you line up for those games. Um, they got to be looking forward to at least figure out what the schedule is going to look like at that point. And that's what we're seeing them do after this series. I think it was Arden Zwelling or perhaps Ben Nicholson-Smith who tweeted that the Blue Jays are going to kind of take a soft reset after this series. They got the off day, the built-in time to fix things a little bit in the rotation, line it up as they want to for the final few games. And I have to imagine if in the case that the Blue Jays do need three games to get into the postseason in the case of a 162-163 slash um, wild card tiebreaker um, and then the wild card game or even as we talked about last episode Bryson the nightmare scenario where they have a game 162 and then two game 163s two tiebreaker games for the wild card and then a wild card game in those situations I have to imagine the top three guys are going to be going to is Robbie Ray obviously first and foremost but then Jose Burrios and Alec Manoa in that order I think it has to be those three guys we talked about last week and Junryu potentially taking a step out of the rotation and moving to the bullpen or even Sitting off the postseason roster, certainly for the wildcard game, probably unlikely for the rest of ALDS, ALCS if they get to that point. But anyways, that all this to say, I'm happy the Blue Jays are looking ahead and kind of lining it up a little bit. And again, you want to win these games. You don't want to prioritize games down the line that may eventually not matter given what happens in these games. But I'm happy to see them rearranging things. Um, on the topic of Robbie Ray, we've talked about Cy Young before. Um... It's his award now. Like, I, I'm calling it now, and I think this is not a bold statement at all, but he's taken a firm step forward away from Garrett Cole. Um, it's his award. I, I Like, the, you could vote today not knowing the results of the next two, three weeks, and he would win the award hands down, and you would be right about him winning the award. Um, it's just ridiculous his dominance, and he is now leading baseball in the amount of games that he's thrown with 10 strikeouts or more. Um, he is one of two lefties in Blue Jay history to have a game of 13 strikeouts or more, and it's happened four times. It's him three times this season, and then Ted Lilly. Like, the numbers he's putting up, just absolutely ridiculous, so... I think it is without a doubt that he has won the Cy Young Award. I don't know if you guys have reservations that Garrett Cole can still make a final push and win it, but to me, it's it's over. Um, Robbie Ray has won the award. Yeah, I, I I think if Garrett Cole does win the Cy Young, then it's more of a popularity contest than an actual representation of who is better. Now, both of them are neck and neck. Like, I don't want to say that Robbie Ray is is like a 10 out of 10 and Garrett Cole's a 4 out of 10 like or a 7 out of 10 like they're both equally as good I just think Robbie Ray has been a little bit better and Garrett Cole's ERA at 275 Robbie Ray after today's start is down to 264 seems a little better to me uh, the one thing where it is a little bit tougher is Garrett Cole does have the edge in strikeouts by 4 with 224 compared to 220 now I'm hoping that's an accurate stat. I know Robbie Ray had 13 today. Uh, either I mean I don't know if that website has it updated or not, but if it does, then yeah, Robbie Ray's taken. I don't think that includes today's starts um, because mm-hmm. I know okay. he now. I don't know if this is updated now that we've started getting into some of the evening games, but um, at the end of his start, he led all of baseball in strikeouts with I think what 
237. Yeah, that's what he'd be at now. So then he's he's got a comfortable lead over over Garrett Cole. So with that being said, I mean, at, at what point does Robbie Ray not win the Cy Young? And even if like maybe he his Baltimore start wasn't great. He started I think three earned runs in the first inning. Maybe if he is a little bit roughed up in his next couple outings, you know, the Blue Jays, he'll probably play in the not this series against the Twins, but probably the next series against the Rays, and then perhaps the series against the Yankees. If he has a bit of trouble in that, then you can argue that, well, what, you know, Garrett Cole maybe had a better last two starts of the season, but I don't think that that's going to happen. I think it has to be Robbie Ray. And don't get me wrong, Garrett Cole is a good pitcher, spider tack or not, but I think that Robbie Ray has been, he's been better, he deserves it, and he's been good all season long, I think, except for his very first start of the season where he had six walks. Pretty much other than that, his ERA has just dipped every single start, been mid threes, now it's mid twos. It's really, it's been all season long, and I don't think that the league can vote against Robbie Ray. And one thing, now I know that this doesn't play a factor, and we we debate this with MVPs, is that playoff situations, how they play itself out, don't impact how you get voted or, or whatnot. It's only regular season. And I understand that, but if you're Robbie Ray and you can help lead this team to a wild card and win, that's got to have at least some leverage in the voting. But regardless, wild card game hasn't happened yet. The final 18 or, or final 15, whatever it is, games hasn't happened. Regardless, or it has to be Robbie Ray. And I think that it, w- it would be a shame if he puts up these numbers and continues them over the next couple starts and doesn't get it. Yeah, I just want to correct, or not even, I think, Mark, you kind of misunderstood what I said earlier. So pretty much what I was referring to was, you know, in terms of looking forward to an, you know, an ALCS, I'm talking like that far ahead. But of course, if you want to talk about the Jays planning ahead over the next couple of weeks, absolutely. I mean, there's no argument there. I just wanted to correct correct that or make, you know, just make that clear. And, you know, it, this ties into Robbie Ray for sure, because you want to be sending out your best guys. And we know um, that, or you just mentioned as well before that, Mark, is that they are going to start planning towards the end of the season and kind of readjusting the rotation. And this is what you got to do. And this ties into Robbie Ray because yes, it is Robbie Ray's award right now. Garrett Cole left his last start against the Jays with um, whatever the heck he claims he was injured with. I'm not going to get into any conclusions because he's magically going to be pitching against uh, or is slated to pitch against the Orioles now. But anyways, um, Lance Lynn's also back for the White Sox. So, you know, Robbie Ray was consistently pitching throughout that span. And of course, he has taken or leapfrogged them um, in that span. And of course, he continues to pitch well. And that's why um, he is, you know, this is his award to win. And you hope that he can hold on for it. He keeps making history. Um, I think today was what it was 13 plus games or 13 uh, plus strikeout games from Robbie Ray, uh, Robbie Ray, which is insane. And, um, you know, the strikeouts are there, the walks are down, and it's kind of just a complete different image of what we saw uh, going on in Baltimore last week, which is another reason why you look forward to the start today that he had, and he kind of had a good feeling or a good expectation for that because he comes into this series you know, or this game, and you're expecting a bounce-back performance after what we saw against the Orioles. So that's why there wasn't really any concerns from the start or any, you know, just any bad feelings toward this game. Everything, all signs pointed to this game going to the Jays from the start and in terms of this game three. But yeah, this is his award to win. And when you want to look forward to um, or even kind of prepare for the next couple of weeks, I think it is crucial for them to, you know, make him headline the rotation because of this reason alone. And of course, you want to take it one game at a time and not lose focus of what's going on. But of course, you want to plan for the best case scenario. And that is planning for that game 163, game 164, uh, the wild card game, and, you know, even after that. But th- that's one step at a time for sure. So it's, it's just great to see it. And, you know, every time we come out, we just kind of say it in a different way every time because of how dominant he is. I mean, you know, he's just a fun pitcher all around. He's got the tight pants joke going, the merchandise. Um, it, the, the best part is, too, is when you search his name on Twitter, um, you know, the first thing that comes up is Robbie Ray pants. And then the third thing that comes up is the Robbie Ray grunt. So not even as his actual performance, um, one of the top suggestions. It's, you know, just other stuff going around with him and, you know, the the merchandise stuff and everything. I ordered my T-shirt. I don't know if you guys did yet or not for the, the for tight pants, but, um, you know, everything about him, it's just good vibes all around. And you, you do hope there's a way for this guy to stay. But it's just a pleasure watching him and a treat every time uh, when he does this, especially going against the Rays like this and kind of 
you know, just destroying them in, in terms of um, what we saw from his box score today. And they made a good point today, or just a, you know, just a fact or a stat in general, is that every series the Jays have played the Rays this year, Robbie Ray has started against them. So I think he most likely will be pitching at the Trop next week, even with the readjustment of the rotation. And um, I think that's that's pretty much the last time they played Tampa. So it looks like uh, when the season's all said and done, every series that he plays the Rays or the Jays play the Rays, Robbie Ray is started in a game. And that's crucial and important and just everything, um, you know, it's just impressive because the Rays have seen him so many times. He's obviously seen the Rays offense so many times, and he continues to dominate them. And that's what you need going into the playoffs. That is the confidence you want in a wild card game. There's no hesitation. Robbie Ray's the guy getting the ball right now. A few months ago, you may have had a little bit more of a debate, but right now it's not even a question. Um, you're confident in what he'd bring and, you know, how good he'd be. And that's why every time he picks Pitches. It's just a treat with his fastball and everything. I think his fastball was up to 97 today in the first inning. And that's, I think, a little bit faster than usual for him. But either way, I mean, this late in the season, too, that's impressive to see. You know, he seems to be in good shape and everything in terms of his health. And you just hope this continues to boil over. So he's got another start against the Rays next weekend, or not, sorry, next week. And, um, you know, I'm expecting the same thing as much as it's at the Trop. So. This is his award to win for sure, and if he keeps doing the, what he's doing right now, there's no reason to believe that he's. this is not his award at the end of the year. And can I just say quickly, the good thing, like we talk about how good Robbie Ray has been, and he's been absolutely fantastic, but when you're restructuring this rotation, you also have two or three, probably three other guys that are equally as good, I would say. Now, I mean, Robbie Ray still, I would say, better than Manoa, than, than Mats, than, and Barrios and whatnot, but... If you're restructuring this rotation, all you need to do is plan to have Robbie Ray in that potential tiebreaker or wild card. It's not like a we need him to pitch. Uh, you remember David Price back when he was with the Blue Jays? They restructured the rotation so that he ended up playing the Yankees, I think, 10 times uh, or four or five times, whatever it was, out of his 10 starts. Like half of them were against the Yankees. And the thing with Ray is all you got to do is have him scheduled for that one game that you want, and you can trust the rest of your rotation. So. This shows a real strength of the of the Blue Jays. I pray that he is back next year because I think the Blue Jays can afford him. I think they can afford both him and Burrios. That's a that's a discussion probably for a year from now. But as of right now, the rotation it's it's looking good and it's not just as or I think it's a lot more simple than just saying how do we get Robbie Ray in as many games as we want. It's more of how do we just get him for that one game and then the rest of the guys will fill in for him or fill in in those other games and they'll do very well yeah i hesitate to even like bring him up anymore because there's nothing new to talk about with him it's just cy young keeps on dominating keeps on making blue jays history there's really nothing new it's just i feel bad if we don't talk about him because he's doing historical things he's being amazing and the same thing with vladdy like as much as we want to talk about oh will he reach 50 home runs which for the record, looks like he will, even though I said he wouldn't. Um, oh, is he going to win the MVP? Where you know, triple crown, all this stuff. Like, there's nothing new under the sun with these guys. They just keep on dominating, and um, you know, I hate to avoid talking about them, and I hate to say the same thing every week, but it's true. It's very consistent, dominant uh, performances from both of them. So lots and lots of fun to watch. Um, and if we're talking about consistency, you can always bet that people are going to be criticizing Charlie Montoyo. And we haven't had a criticizing Charlie Montoyo section in quite a while. I feel like those people have kind of fallen off the face of the earth because the Blue Jays, of course, went 15 and seven, uh, 15 and two over a span of 17 games. But they are officially back and in droves. We have Saturday's game, of course, the game that the Blue Jays lost 2-0. to zero. I believe it's the eighth inning. You have the bottom part of the order coming up, and there was people criticizing Charlie Montoyo for not pinch hitting, especially not pinch hitting Reese McGuire with someone like Alejandro Kirk or even Danny Jansen, given his success since he's come off the injured list. Um, do you hold Charlie Montoyo accountable for not pinch hitting in that situation um, is a criticism he had received, even if it's only from a small minority of people, uh, a valid criticism against him. And as I say this, the Red Sox uh, just hit, looks like a single. So now it's six to three Red Sox. So it's going downhill fast. But anyways, Charlie Montoyo, the decision on Saturday to not pinch hit. Where do you stand on that? I want to hear your thoughts first, Bryce. And I'm, I'm kind of torn on this one. Wow. 
Jacob's gonna drop some bombs. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. Okay, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna be completely honest. I wasn't. I'm not gonna hold him accountable for it, but you know, if he was gonna do it, maybe it would have. You know, you can't guarantee anything. I mean, I'm not gonna, but I'm I'm not out with the pitchfork gonna blame him for that because you know this this run they've been on for the past um, two weeks now, and you know it's kind of funny because in that two weeks, I've we, there hasn't been anything so. I think we've learned a lot from that point over the last two weeks because it seems like, and we, well, I mean, it, we kind of had more of an answer. That, I, I I mean, I feel like we did because all season we've been saying he's a scapegoat, blah, blah, blah. And really in, until this point, we really, we really haven't experienced um, this team playing at their fullest potential and then dealing with Charlie Montoya criticism. So all of a sudden the Jays kind of turned it on in these last two weeks and um, it answered my question. We have not heard any criticism from people about Charlie Montoyo um, in this span. And I think, I don't think it's a coincidence because that's just something that I I think we've all kind of noticed, or at least us three have as much as whoever's listening likes him or not. I think that that's just the truth. I think the bullpen has been executed when they've been executed. I think, you know, some decisions he's made, pinch running decisions, everything like that. A lot of people have actually credited him for that. And I think there's a lot of things that he's done that have actually benefited the team one thing that comes to my head uh going back to last week when the the yankee or the jay swept the yankees in new york was when gerard dyson came off the bench and pinch ran at third base he scored on a sack fly without even sliding and then everyone was saying that that would not have happened if he wasn't in the game blah 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 that's just one thing that comes to my mind all around but you know i just don't see a reason to hold him accountable um for do or for not pinch hitting uh, Reese McGuire in a situation like that yesterday, I understand that Reese McGuire. I think that was his first game in almost a week because obviously the Jays are at a three or th- carrying three uh, three catchers, so it's kind of you know it's hard for everyone to kind of get playing time, and that's just the way the cards have been falling for someone like Reese McGuire. But yeah, I mean, I just it's hard to say. It it really is because I really don't know about you two how you feel about it. Um, it's just I think it's it's hard for me to explain it, but. I don't know if you guys really understand what I'm saying. It's just that I didn't criticize him for it, but if he decided to do it, um, I think we like obviously, probably on paper or on a matchup, it would be just better for the team if someone like Alejandro Kirk came off the bench or something like that. You know what I'm trying to say. So, in terms of that, but I just I I don't see why to you know to hold him so accountable. Uh, for that at all just the way the game's been going and even going back to what we were talking about Mark is you know and it was frustrating in a different way than what we've seen before just nothing was going right um, and there was really no signs of anything changing other than the Jays kind of you know having good contact and getting unlucky and that's why I think a part of me too maybe that had a a reason for me not to criticize him for that it just there's a lot going on with this one and I think the problem that I have because I don't really have a firm answer is that we're we're really nitpicking this way too much. I think we are. And then if you want to even talk about today with Joaquin Soria in the third game, I mean, it was 6-1. And I think, you know, I don't see how you blame him for bringing him in a game like that. And then, of course, the other thing, too, is they reacted very quick. They got the bullpen going, I think, two batters later. So, like, I, I don't know what you want him to do other than, you know, to have a crystal ball and predict everything going to be perfect because that's just not possible or not, you know, realistic for anything like that. So that's why I just think we're over, I think it's getting to the point now where I'm sick of it and I think we're overreacting. Unless he does something really stupid um, in the future, I'm I'm really not here to criticize him. I, I mean, I don't see how over this last stretch of these last two weeks you're going to come out here and criticize him for that and not realize what the run the Jays have been on, the the month of September they've had, the ground they made up in the AL East, their last homestand. There were four and a half games out of the, the AL wildcard spot, and that's what I'm sorry, correcting myself from before, the wildcard spot, not the AL East. But, you know, they were four and a half games out last homestand, and just everything that they've done over the past week, I'm, I'm, I'm not here to criticize. I'm just going to, I'm here to be positive, and I'm here to be optimistic because every we've gotten every single signal from the team that they're not slowing down. And that's just the way I'm at. I'm kind of moving on quickly and I'm just staying positive about this team right now. I'm not here to criticize anyone other than kind of just give everyone a major props of what they've been doing the last two weeks. Mm -hmm. See, I, I wanted to hear what you said because I was torn and I'm going to say, I don't blame him. Yes. Okay. In hindsight, it maybe could have worked. Maybe if the blue Jays, if if Montoya allowed him to pinch it, maybe something could have been different. But at the same time, if Guerrero's 
line drive with two men on didn't go straight to the center fielder things could have been different but we don't criticize him for that and I know that that's very different but the point is is we're at at this point we're nitpicking not us but a lot of people nitpick literally everything like Montoyo could drop his pen on the floor and people will somehow blame him for not penciling in a guy in time and he can't make the lineup or whatever like it's just a lot of the arguments are ridiculous. Some I agree with. You know, you go back to earlier in the season and there were, you know, definitely a lot. The, the Tyler Chatwood situation where he walked like four straight batters and nobody warmed up. Absolutely, you blame the manager for that. But at this point, it doesn't make sense. And I wanted to bring up the fact that we haven't seen much hate on Montoyo in the last couple weeks because they have been winning. And I've thought about this. It's I don't really go on Twitter that often. But whenever I do, the, the majority of it is people retweeting and, and and quote tweeting random arguments about why, why Montoyo is the worst manager in baseball and the fact that we've seen a lot of these runs or runs being scored and a lot of scoreless innings by pitchers and we've not seen criticism I think that correlates and it's the fact that when this team is good the fans are happier and that's fair enough but when they're bad the a lot of the criticism I think diverts from the actual players to the man- manager regardless different situation if we're going to nitpick everything we might as well become lawyers or something like I don't really know I th- it's too, it, it just it's mind-boggling to me the fact that so many people want to say well this one specific play is the reason why the team lost and it's like okay well there were like eight other innings that this team could have could have scored runs on and there were plenty of chances where they had runners on and they didn't get any anything out of it that's where I'm at we're at the point where like I only blame Montoyo if he makes a dumb decision and to say that oh well you didn't pitch hit this one guy it's like that's pretty nitpicky and I mean at the end of the day that it is all I think uh subjective like just because some people think that well what if and I, I mean, I'm sure Montoyo and his his crew have a lot of stats brought up and perhaps the guy that they were facing the pitcher maybe has Kirk's numbers probably not I don't I don't think Kirk has faced him because he's very new to the league but maybe Kirk is not as good against those hitters or whatever like I'm sure I, I'm sure the decision to leave McGuire in was more of was more thought out than just oh we we're, we're not gonna pinch at him or, or whatever and also like you just mentioned the fact that he hasn't played in a week you got to get guys in eventually I know you do have three catchers so it is going to get crowded but at some point guys have to play and whatnot so regardless like I still think we we need to remember the big picture picture Blue Jays have only lost two games I think or three games in September they have been on one of the best roles I think we've seen in years they went from four and a half games out of a playoff I think it was actually maybe five or six games out at one point to now half a game lead in the wild card it will probably be a three-way tie again at the end of the night but this team has been fantastic and to say that well one one specific incident from one specific game means the manager sucks like that's just I won't I won't have it I'll put it that way I I think Montoya is he doesn't deserve that much hate I think he people I think do need to to chill with the hate a little bit yeah I think like Montoya makes mistakes but I think the big mistakes that he makes is giving license to people to criticize the tiniest of tiny mistakes. And that's what we saw on Saturday. Like, he does make mistakes with who he brings in in the bullpen and the decisions we've talked about in the past. But that doesn't mean that we have to harp on every tiny thing that he does. And that's what frustrates me. And that's what you know, gets all of our blood pressures up when we watch these games and we scroll through Twitter and looking at people reacting to these. It's like the tiniest of things doesn't matter all that much. Like give it a break. Don't overreact to everything that's happening. And that's what makes me mad about this criticism. And again, like we don't know what's going on. We're on the outside looking in. We are in a world that only has selective information, that only has partial information about what's happening in these situations. And just to bring up one example of where people got mad at Montoyo, you look at the series against Baltimore and Brandon Hyde. In the Friday night game, you have him chirping Robbie Ray and Robbie Ray going back and forth on the mound and everyone screaming, including Joe Siddle. So it's not just like stupid trolls on Twitter. It's a you know an established baseball guy who's played the game and knows what he's doing. You have people 
yelling at Montoyo for not standing up for his pitcher and for not reacting and for not defending his guy on the mound and getting all up in the face of Brandon Hyde and doing all these things that people want him to do. But then you look at what happens the next game. Clearly, they did not need that enthusiasm from their manager. Clearly, whatever Charlie Montoyo did or didn't do in the clubhouse or on the field after the game was enough because the Blue Jays come out and have you know, the best four-game stretch in the history of the team where they score 52 runs, which beats the previous record by seven runs. Like, it's, it's ridiculous to me to criticize every tiny thing that he does or doesn't do when, yeah, sure, there are valid criticisms you can make of him, but when you nitpick a tiny thing, it's like, come on. And I think, I don't know if, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it seems like with other Toronto sports and I'm especially thinking of the Maple Leafs, the tendency is to criticize the player. The tendency is to criticize the athlete who's on the field or on the court or on the ice. For some reason, it feels like with baseball and it feels like with the Blue Jays, the tendency is to always criticize Charlie Montoyo. It's always his fault when things go wrong, and it's never the player's fault. It's never you know, the front office's fault that you have Tyler Chatwood and Trent Thornton in the bullpen. It's always Charlie Montoyo's fault. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if that's because of the way baseball works, as we know, with it being a team sport. But it, I just don't understand it. And it's really frustrating to me to watch all these criticisms of Charlie Montoyo. Anyways, we have enough Charlie Montoyo criticisms to, um, you know, last a lifetime. But I feel like we need a theme song at this point for like the Charlie Montoyo roast session. Uh, because at this point, it's just, it's a weekly occurrence. It's a occurrence that happens at pretty much every episode, except for when the Blue Jays are winning. Probably need to get the, uh, I know, is was that guy, Charlie, was Charlie Brown the, the Peanuts guy? Yeah. We might yeah. need to get that piano theme. I, you said the name Charlie just <laughs> brought in my head. But yeah, uh, for I just want to say, as a Leaf fan, you are totally right. The only, I think there's, probably within the last maybe like three four years there's only been a few instances where the coach actually ever got heat or was was on the hot seat I think one game in the playoffs where I'll just make this quick because this isn't obviously a baseball podcast but where Patrick Marlowe played more than Austin Matthews when the Leafs were down in game seven in the third period he uh, Mike Babcock got a lot of heat and then he was fired actually I think the next season or whatever two seasons later but like other than that, it's pretty much all on the players. And even previous eras, it was... I do think that the media is a little harsh on the players and vice versa. They're harsh on Charlie Montoyo. But I feel like when you're criticizing the player, it's a little bit different because they can actually impact the game. And I know the coach can. They can choose who goes on the field. And with baseball, it is different. The If you put in a bad pitcher, I think that's a lot more noticeable than if you have, say, your third line your your third defensive pairing and they get scored on that is a little bit different but i i will say that it the heat i think should be more on the players than the managers especially considering baseball is a sport where there's 27 outs for each team each game now yes obviously if you if you're losing an away game you only have 24 but that's besides the point you have equal opportunities to score runs and to argue that well the that one batter in the seventh or eighth inning is the reason you you lost is just ridiculous because, like I said earlier, Vladdy had his chances. There were many opportunities with runners on that, that the Blue Jays could have could have done well, and it just it seems as if people don't want to argue that or don't want to criticize the the players on that, and it just it it doesn't really make a lot of sense for me because the players are are the ones that are the ones actually on the field and i think maybe the one argument for that and this might not be a good argument i'm just thinking out loud is the fact that in baseball the best hitters you know guerrero for example hitting a little bit over 310 almost 320 you're still getting him out almost 70% of the time so maybe people are saying well we're not going to we're not we're not going to bleep on Guerrero because he's you know the best hitters are only going to hit 300 or whatever there's still a vast or a much greater chance that you get him out than than he hits so it's okay if he doesn't get a hit but I don't really think that that's a good argument I think it still should be if you got runners on scoring or in scoring position or you have runners on and you're down you're in a close game 
and you don't score at all. Like, you get shut out. I know they've only been shut out three times now, twice going into that game, but it should be more on the players because they're the ones that, that do play. And yes, you can put in a bad reliever, but they're, it's just, I don't think that you can fully criticize the manager for everything because baseball is, it's a wild sport. And as we've seen, you know, the offense can go from scoring literally like three touchdowns in one game and then it can get blanked in the, or in two games later. So it's a weird game, but you can't just blame the manager for everything because at some point, bring back Chatwood the the debate or you bring back all the injuries and you bring back when Guerrero was hitting under 200 going into the end of August early September at some point it should be on the players who for the most part have been fantastic all season long like let, let's not say that they've been bad but uh, eventually the 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 debate needs to be are the like when when the team doesn't do so well it needs to be I think players and manager, probably more players than manager, but if uh, the only time you really do say a manager's not doing his job is when there's a blatant mistake. It's not the team lost, therefore let's just throw a pitchfork at the manager because that's that's just a dumb argument in my opinion. And that's part of the reason why I don't go on Twitter as much as I probably should because most of it is just irrational 200-character tweets or whatever the limit is. It's just a random all-caps sentence about how bad Montoya is and... Most of them are just not accurate, so I, just, I I don't agree with most of what they say. I just think um, it's going to be funny to the, the Montoyo haters when he's back next year. Uh, I think that's just going to be the part oh, that God. gets me. I think people are actually almost concerned that he's going to be back next year. I don't know what people are expecting, but yeah, like I, I don't know. I just everything's been fine the past couple of weeks. I mean, that's an understatement. Everything's been fun. This team's the funnest or the, like the hottest team in baseball right now, or if not one of them and you know we're we're nitpicking at little things here it just doesn't make sense to me um that's why i'm not going to say much more but i just move on like let's like why aren't we celebrating the jays you know in a playoff spot or you know still taking away two out of three from the race like when's it's been a while since i think the jays you know have played that good against the rays even though they've won games against the rays in the past um it's just that you know beating the rays you know this well scoring eight runs um, in one game and then winning 6-3 today. Just everything went well um, from that point. But yeah, I mean, I just don't understand it. So we will see. And uh, we can't wait for the, the next series to start. Yep. And um, as always, we end the podcast with a prediction of how the upcoming series is going to go. Three against the Minnesota Twins. Um, I can start this one off. I have been continually underselling the Blue Jays with the exception of the series against Baltimore, where I was correct in saying three out of four. So I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say they sweep the uh, the Twins. This obviously isn't a bold prediction because they're playing the Minnesota Twins, but uh, that's what I'm going to say for this series. What do you guys think is going to happen? I'm going to say the same thing. Uh, now, we know the rotation's probably going to look a little different, and normally I give a little bit of a pitching preview. As of right now, Ryu is maybe going to start against uh, Michael Pineda in Game 1 very fluid but uh yeah i think the way the offense has been i i don't think a sweep is very unlikely at this point unless somehow you get one of those ridiculously good pitching performances from any of the twin starters because like at the end of the day the blue jays the game they lost against the rays was a game where the pitching was against them was absolutely fantastic where their pitching was as good as it's been all series and as good as it's been all month so as long as that doesn't happen I think a sweep is is very likely. It'll be it, we're getting at the point where it's it's going to be important. You got to take pretty much every game now. I know the twenty and thirty mark is it's well within reach. I think they're like tw- uh They need to go. I think five hundred the rest of the way to make that twenty and ten mark, but or to to get to that milestone. But I don't think that's likely to to get them in the playoffs. And I think that they are going to surpass that. So. We're going to need a sweep at least, or two games, two out of three at least. Sweep is the best case scenario. Let's just hope it happens, and let's hope that this uh, wild card spot can keep up for the next uh, couple days. Uh, I think this is a first, Mark, because usually it's been me predicting the better outcome. I don't, I don't, I don't know about this. I'm not feeling a sweep this weekend. I think two out of three, but hey. What? I don't know. I just, I'm not feeling Are it. Are you feeling all right, Bryson? I, like, I think two out of three you, this weekend. Did you I, get tested for COVID? <laughs> like, are you sure you're... I honestly, I just don't... 
after what we saw from Ryu, I'm very, I'm very skeptical about Ryu right now. I can't commit wow. to him coming out. I mean, I know he's inconsistent. I know he's up and down. He's facing off against Michael Pineda on Friday night. Um, and then Saturday, I think Steven Matz. And Sunday is when I think the readjustment begins. I think it usually it's Alec Manoa, but we might see possibly Jose Barrios. We might see something different happening on Sunday. So I think two out of three. And that is still fine. That is still fine. But two out of three. I don't know. I just I don't know what it is, and I think it's a first that I'm under predicting what you're predicting. So I'm very I and I hope I'm wrong. I do hope I'm wrong this weekend, though. <laughs> well, that's disappointing. <laughs> I don't so know. We got I just two predictions for a sweep. Yeah, and one we for got two one prediction, but it's for two out of three. We'll see what happens. Win. Yes, yes. It's still a series win. Still, I mean, I'll take it. Like if they whatever they lose one, they lose one. It's life. But uh, yeah, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you to everyone who listened to this episode and our uh, returning segment of Charlie Montoyo Hate. We will, I promise, have a theme song for it next time we talk about it, which I'm sure will be in probably like three days. Um, But until then, you, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll take suggestions. Tweet us or DM us on Instagram about what you think the theme song should be and we'll incorporate it into the episode and give you a shout out if we select your song but yeah we'll wrap it up there thank you to everyone who listened as always you can support our podcast on patreon by going to patreon.com slash section 138 pod you can follow us on social media at section 138 pod on twitter and instagram and we'll take your suggestions for theme songs there um you can give us a rating and review on apple Podcasts, which just help spread the word about what we're doing and then lastly you can watch this episode on youtube if you're listening to it if you're watching it you can listen to it wherever you find podcasts so we're looking forward to this series against the twins more exciting baseball on the way and we will catch you at the end of this weekend and hopefully the series